This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Hopefully, have a great and wonderful Louisiana Saturday morning. And as always, we're coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And appreciate you listening in, however, you're doing so. Be it through that old school FM dial, 1037 The Game. The power of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh, yeah. And hopefully, you're listening as well. Be it through that free mobile app, 1037thegame.com, or your smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Home. If you got an Amazon Alexa, make sure you re enable our new Alexa skill. And get us in your life however you do so, because trust me, you want to be able to get in on this show today. The Twin Peaks Hotline, by the way, is open for the entire first hour of the program. And for a good chunk of the show as well in the 12 o'clock hour. Outside of 12.15, it is wide open. Why 12.15? I'm just coming out right at the gates and say it. Tiki Barber joined the program, former Giants running back, host of the Tiki and Tierney Show on CBS Sports Radio. He'll be joining the program at 12.15, talking Super Bowl, talking all great stuff involving you know his career with the Giants, how he got into the sports media business. You'll, you'll see why I asked that question in a little bit, but hopefully you're ready for two hours of phenomenal sports talk radio. He's got a good one on tap for you today. Is after all, it is Super Bowl 55 Eve or the big game Eve. Hopefully, you're making it a great one, however you're doing so. And, of course, you're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station. If that's number one sports station, that can only mean one thing. And i got to be the best of all. That just cut and dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at woo, the greatest, the best-looking man, the best-dressed man. Long limousines, jet airplanes, custom-made clothes. And hopefully you are enjoying yourself on this Louisiana Saturday morning. And now it's time to get down to brass tacks and what's causing all this. And what's got me fired up on a Louisiana Saturday morning. And it's, of course, time to get into the Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. And we start off with the big news that happened on Friday night. While the NFL was preparing for the big game and to be the center of attention, as it should be, the MLB decided to steal some of the headlines and steal some of the spotlight with a massive free agency move 
That's Tyler <clears throat> Trevor Bauer signing a deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The official terms of Bauer's deal reportedly three years and $102 million, according to MLB.com's Mark Fizand, and saying his 2021 salary will be reportedly worth a whopping $40 million. Now there's a $45 million salary in 2022 and a $17 million salary in 2023. There are two opt-outs in there that can essentially make this a one-year deal. But I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around for that three-year deal and gets his money. And I think he could very well have a chance to rack up the rings, which is a big reason why I wanted to bring it up. Because I know there's a lot of Los Angeles Doyer fans out there right now who are probably listening in. And the Dodgers, let's be honest, they needed to keep up in the arms race that is the NL West. Look at what the Padres are doing. They have absolutely made the most of their opportunity at the moment of the sun to rack up tons of great players across this great world of Major League Baseball. But their rotation in terms of an arms race may be the atomic bomb that the league hasn't seen before, and maybe we'll never see something like this again. Let me run down what the potential rotation for next season could be. I'm just going to throw out a few names that you might know. Just the first three guys alone in that rotation. Walker, Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Tyler, Trevor Bauer. I'm going to have to get used to saying Trevor Bauer, but call him Tyler Bauer. David Price and the guy that looked like the chick from Brave, Dustin May with, with the long flowing red hair. That's not even counting guys like Julio Orias and Baseball America's Rookie of the Year and Tony Gonsolin, who has got off of the postseason, by the way. Hopefully he can kind of get past those parts. But you think about it. That's five guys you can have as your potential starting and probably replace Dustin May with Julio Orias if you see Dustin May kind of underwhelm and put Tony Gonsolin in there. You've got potentially seven guys you can have start. Seven. Siete. Seven people you could have potentially start in a major league baseball franchise. That's a rotation that could very well be considered a murderer's row. And with the fact you got the NL West that is loading up a lot of power, especially when you look at the pods, we bring up Fernando Tatis Jr. You've got so much great talent all the way around. This is huge in terms of the shifting of power. But also what Bauer did is what many have seen in the NBA over the last decade plus. And it's simple, it's simple two words, ring chasing. Rain chasing. That's what Bauer did. He knew he was in the cellar dwellers of the Cincinnati Reds. I know Lewis just left the first South Farm Credit Studios, and he is a bandwagon, you know, Cincinnati Reds fan. I don't know how he got into that. I think that was a bet that he lost because why would you be an outright fan of a franchise that has always been beleaguered and looked at as lower class, if you will? But. Now, it feels like La La Land, one of the most insufferable cities in the entire country, especially when it comes to sports now, is going to be champions for the foreseeable future in two of the three major sports franchises in the country. Apologies to hockey, but in my mind, when your main sports network is going the way of Versus Network and all the other other stuff that they've done in the past, like the, back in the day we had the Armed Forces Network on 32.1, now it's Stadium, that went away. Maybe like the Fox Sports Network. This is going to be t- turning into Valley Sports. That, But NBC Sports is going away next year. The NHL still has a decent fan base, but it's hard to believe it's as strong 
compared to the MLB. And that's saying something considering the league has had more missteps in the last couple of years than a dancer with two left feet on Dancing with the Stars. The MLB is starting to put together super teams to start building the fence and doing fence building around those major market teams. So there's no way, you know, these small market or mid-market teams, and I'm using air quotes here inside the studios, that they can be in their holy party. This is Again, this is the MLB that voted zero Hall of Famers in 2020. Zero. They voted that many players in. Gusek. Zilch. They got. They decided not to do that because they want. To, they treat the hall, the baseball Hall of Fame, as a heaven, proverbially speaking. Because you've got to be perfect. You got to be. You got to be upstanding moral citizen. That's why Kurt Schilling didn't get in. That's why you know all the the steroids game like Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. I put because you know I think he absolutely has to be because it's part of the history of the league. If you get a Bud Seeley who allowed this stuff to happen in, you've got to let the other guys in. But that's a different story for a different time. Look at the last five or six years in the World Series. You've had teams like the Giants that have been a semi-dynasty. But for the most part, some of the underdogs, the Royals, the Cubs, the Astros, the National Rays, the Nationals in Washington, and then Tampa Bay Rays just this past season. All of those are small or mid-market franchises, and a lot of those beat the bigger market team with the exception of what we saw with the Rays. The Royals split their two World Series appearances to beat the Mets, a major market team. The Astros beat the Dodgers. And yes, you can put the asterisk all you want on that. I know a lot of Dodger Nation out there who's listening in on 103.7 The Game, however they're doing so. I can just say that this is where we're at right now. We need to see the future of this league no longer be focused on ring chasing. But that's the way it's going to be. And it's also fence building. Making sure that your major markets continue to be in control. And your boys, if you will, if you're going to go ahead and look at the NBA, LeBron James, always center of attention in the league and everything that he says he's got to take on, we have to see it and talk about all those hot takes about the All-Star game and everything else. The MLB wants to have the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox. They want all of those to be great. They, they're all setting it up so the smaller teams never get a piece of the pie. It's just always how it's been over the last several years. It's been building, but this is that moment where, you know, you're talking about the NFL as well. You know, we always are hearing about Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that. You know, James Kelly, one of the producers for the Jim Rome show, in fact, put really decent money on your boy, Tom Brady and the Bucks early on the season at really decent future odds. He'd wind up winning, like I think, $3,000 on like 60 to one or plus 600 odds on a $50 bet. On the buck, six hundred odds to win it at the beginning of the year. That's a huge cash, but at the end of the day, it feels like that's the way it was going to be, because the leagues all want their golden goose to be head and shoulders above the rest. And when it comes to the MLB, the Dodgers have to be treated like kings. 
And this is just another example of that. This is just another example of how the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. The haves and the have-nots continue to be a big thing in the in the league. That's my biggest thing. The Golden Geese continue to be in control. So, Dodger Nation, enjoy those rings. Enjoy them. But also know that comes at a bit of a price because trust me, you'll be the, one of the more hated teams in the league amongst the fan base, maybe outside of the Houston Astros for the foreseeable future. But the Dodgers, the fact that they just continue to try and be the evil empire on the left coast. You got to think this is how you're going to be portrayed by a lot of fans. What you are is what you hate. You're the man. Ladies and gentlemen, the champ is here. You're a dynasty. You are what you hate. You have become the New York Yankees. That's absolutely perfect. Couldn't have said it any better myself. You have now become the New York Yankees. You have basically tried to buy your team. And that's where things definitely make me a little upset. Because I can't stand seeing the teams just put together monsters and put together these absolute beasts of teams. And we sit here and we act like that's okay. For years, we saw the Yankees do it in the 90s. They just had absolute monsters and then they started to just add more players. In the early 2000s, they added A-Rod, paid him, I think, $300 million, right? Like 200, I think it was between 250 and a $300 million deal. We paid, they paid him that much to join that team because there's no salary cap. It's all the luxury tax and all that. The major markets will always get what they want, and that's a damn shame. All right, it's something to dome with CD right here on Acadian, a sports station. We got Tiki Barker. Tiki Barber coming in at 12.15. We can talk about the Super Bowl and so much more. If you want to talk about the Super Bowl, 337-706-0111. Coming up next, let's talk about Drew Brees as the news that came out last night. You're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make the rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com and hopefully have a great Saturday afternoon. I appreciate you listening in however you're doing so, especially if you're out there drinking maybe that second cup of coffee or popping that first top, we appreciate the heck out of you. And why not check out some cool stuff we got right now for you to enter in for a chance to win, including a $500 Visa gift card, because we want to help you feel better about those failed New Year's resolutions by giving you that $500 Visa gift card. So sign up today in the 1037 The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com today, and you'll have a chance to win a $500 Yes, $500 Visa gift card. It's the failed resolution sweepstakes from your good friends at 103.7 The Game. Acadiana Sports Station, one of the main things we got up for grabs right now inside that rewards club. Let's make sure you check that stuff out. 
Now let's get to some stuff that happened last night. This is like right after I got home. I just finished eating like a late dinner. And I was blown away by the news that I saw from Jason Fitzgerald of Over the Cap on Twitter. He said that Breeze has restructured his contract to open up $24 million in cap space for next year. First off, Lumisnomics strikes again. I've talked about a lot that Lumisnomics is going to lead this team to where they need to be when it comes to being under the cap because they are well over the cap. I think it's $100 million over the cap. But this apparently has freed up $24 million in cap space. I'm no mathematician, but that's almost a quarter of the salary cap issues are taken care of. Now, again, that's presuming what the floor of the salary cap is for 2021, which I believe is like $175 million, some, somewhere along those lines. I have to relook it up. I don't have it in front of me. But I believe that's where it's at. So this is Lumisnomics being able to figure out something to make this work, and I'll explain in a little bit what that means and what kind of money was kind of transferred around just so you can figure out what this all means for Drew Brees' future. Because I got a lot of questions from some people after I put this out saying, like, what does this mean? What's going on? Is Drew Brees retiring? And that's really where we're all wondering. Is he hanging up the cleats? Is this him rearranging things for one more go-round maybe? I think it's him hanging it up because it's well past time. First of all, we talked about that before here on this show. That it's well past time for Drew Brees to hang it up. So it's time to move on from Drew Brees and figure out what you're going to do next. And it feels like more likely than not, surprisingly, Jameis Winston is being pegged as the guy, according to Sean Payton, right now, today. That is something I did not expect to hear about three months ago. Because when Drew Brees got hurt and you saw his guy, Taysom Hill, out there, and Taysom Hill did a decent enough job, just you know, probably would have struggled against some other teams, at certain times, because I think that the defense bailed out the offense a lot this season. The defense was the MVP, and the defense was 100% a big reason why the Saints were able to overcome a lackluster offense before and after the Breeze injury. Because the Breeze injury humbled this team a lot. But for some perspective, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, quote tweeted the thing from over the cap, and saying that he, he joined Public Number Sports a couple weeks ago, so he's a salary cap analyst. And he said on Twitter last night he dropped his base salary down to the veteran minimum for 2021, based off of his years of service. That's 1.075 million, so about a million seventy-five thousand dollars. That's how much he's going to, going to get paid in terms of his base salary. Keyword base, and the Saints will carry him on the books until he makes his retirement official until June 2nd, so it can be treated like a post-June one cut. And he also mentioned that it'll be $11.5 million dead cap for next year and year end, and also in 22. So for the next two years, you're going to have to carry on that $11.5 million. But in terms of the base salary, that's helped them in terms of the debt. It helps them a little bit in the dead money. And more importantly, it helps them out in terms of freeing up cap space. Because they're going to be dealing with over $100 million still. I think they're going to be dealing with probably like, now, I'd say presumably, because it's over $100 million. Let's go $75 million. That's the kind of salary cap hit you're going to have. And now let's get out to the Twin Peaks hotline. You can call us up 337 They're starting to light up. How's it going? It's going good. How about you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. What you got? You know, uh, you're talking about Breeze. And my brother-in-law and I were talking 
just this week. And my suggestion was that they... Hey, go ahead. Sorry. You still there? I guess there's a phone disconnected there. We're going to call back. 337-706-0111. Had somebody else as well on the Twin Peaks hotline. So if you want to get back... In, okay, well, we're going to try and get this person back on the line. All right, we're back on the Twin Peaks hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. How's it going? It's going good, Tim. What's up? I was actually uh, just out of curiosity. I was looking at Jameis Winston's stats over his first five years, and then I was looking at Bree's stats over his first five years, I think four of them, five of them in San Diego, and they're actually really similar. So if Bree's, or if Sean Payton can just get Winston to cut the picks in half, I mean, he's a fairly serviceable quarterback. So, I mean, he wasn't rookie of the year and the Heisman Trophy winner for nothing. So hopefully Peyton can work with him. I think it's also the fact that he had that LASIK surgery, and I feel like that has helped him a lot. Tim, I appreciate the call. i got another person on the Twin Peaks hotline. Let's see if we can get them aboard. But, I mean, I'm with you. I think that if Jameis Winston, if this whole LASIK surgery has changed things, and the fact that he spent a year in this quote-unquote master class, it's all about basically trying to make sure you are able to get Jameis Winston to come back. Because you know a lot of teams like a Chicago, because who's to say Chicago doesn't re- resign Mitchell Trubisky? I understand he got the MVP award on the Nickelodeon simulcast, which I'll talk about it in a minute. But I want to kind of save that for later. But what if Jameis Winston gets the Brinks truck backed up to be part of the Chicago Bears franchise? I'd much rather be part of the Saints but you need to be able to pay him enough. That's why you're making these moves and making the Loomisnomics work. All right, let's go back out to the Twin Peaks hotline. Hello, you're on the, under the dome. Can you hear me now? I got you now. Okay. My brother-in-law, uh, brother-in-law and I were talking last week or this week, and my suggestion was they uh, cut him and name him as a coach and dump some of that money off of that or the Sign him to a one-year contract, or you know, just kind of dump some money off that way. So I guess he uh, had a better idea. I think that I think that this was the better idea, and I had the fact that you know it's a good idea with Chad. Don't get me wrong to put him as a potential coach, but he's also got that NBC Sports deal that's coming up. Like after, as soon as he retires, he's going to be in the booth doing games for Notre Dame football, and eventually taking over for. Chris Collinsworth, if I'm not mistaken, you'll have Chris Collinsworth and uh, Al Michael step away, and it'll be Mike Tirico and Drew Brees doing the Sunday Night Football calls probably in the next two to three years, or at least them alternating where potentially you have maybe Drew Brees call a Thursday, occasional Thursday night football game. I think that's the plan. Well, I uh, wonder how good it would be. Wait, what was that? I said, I, I wonder how good he would be here behind the microphone. I think it would be good. It would take some time. I think it's just you need to have like having some time to get those reps in because I think he, he has that good personality to where he could be solid as a color guy. Is I mean, trust me, I don't think anybody expected to see, you know, Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister be able to transition into a role like they're in now. I mean, Zach Streif, let's be honest, you've listened to Saints broadcast since he took over as the voice of the New Orleans Saints, and he's done a pretty good job, right? Now he is. But I'm just saying, like, you, you think about it. Like, it's crazy to think that we're talking about him being a pretty decent 
play-by-play guy after all the years of him like being an offensive lineman. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Drew Brees have a pretty decent career. It's just going to take a little bit of seasoning to where he's more away from the NFL game and some of his biases aren't necessarily there, especially when he's calling games potentially that the New Orleans Saints are. Because you know they'll be in primetime games more because the, the NFL is starting to realize, especially the last few years, the Saints draw huge ratings for primetime matchups. Well, only time will tell. I appreciate I appreciate I appreciate the call, man. Don't don't be a stranger, brother. We we definitely love calls here on the Twin Peaks Hotline 337-706-0111. This is where I'm wondering right now is this next move for the Saints is absolutely crucial to be able to get Drew Brees signed. I mean, more importantly, get Jameis Winston signed. This was the first step towards doing so. Now it's figuring out who he can restructure and basically do what you've done with Brees since he signed those first few big deals. Can you get the hometown discount and just say, hey, let's kick this can down the road. Let's take, you know, let's say Cam Jordan. Let's, let's just go with Cam Jordan because Cam Jordan seems like a good guy. And tell him, hey, let's push some of this money back towards the last year of your deal. That way we can free up some cap space. Because you know Mickey Loomis as like the sorcerer's apprentice that he is, it's crazy. And I just seen seen this breaking news about the Astros. I'll get to that in our next segment because there's some stuff about the Houston Astros that I feel like getting to. But Drew Brees, more likely than not, it looks like he is going to retire. If you want to keep the conversation going, 337-706-0111, You can hit me up on Twitter at Clint Doming or under the Dome CD on Twitter at 1037Game as well. Plenty of ways to get in touch with us. We're going to take a quick timeout, and we'll be back. After this, on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037 thegamecom The numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, The Game, and 1037thegame.com. Coming to you live for the first South Farm Credit Studios, hopefully... Yeah, having a great one so far. I know I share him because I'm here with you and absolutely enjoying this Saturday. So just after some news that came out. This was actually first reported by John Heyman of CBS Sports. No relation, presumably, to Paul Heyman. He put out that the Astros and Correa have settled their arbitration course the case, excuse me, avoiding a hearing that's to be at eleven point seven million for one year. Heyman again, a insider at the MLB network, also does some stuff for WFAN in New York and the score in Chicago as part of Intercom Radio, but he broke the news first that the deal was coming, and the Astros, just before I took a break, actually made it official with a press release saying, quote, the Astros have agreed to a one-year term with Carlos Correa avoiding arbitration, and with the agreement, it was huge because that's absolutely massive to be able to say that that's the only remaining unsigned arbitration eligible player on the Astros roster. He was the only one left. And James Click said, quote, 
going through the arbitration process is necessary sometimes and is there for a reason, but we're all glad to have it behind us so we can focus on our top priority, which is getting out there to compete for a championship with Carlos and the rest of this team. Also said, also Correa said, quote, I'm happy that we're able to come to an agreement and avoid arbitration. Arbitration is not a good process. I want to thank James Click, Jim Crane, and my agent John Rosen for getting the deal done, ready to play and represent for the Houston Astros. And it's massive to be able to see him back there. Had his best defensive year in 2020, leading all major league shortstops and fielding percentage with a 9.995 clip. Only having one error in 212 total chances. All coming from the press release by the Astros that came out about five minutes ago. This is how crazy it is. I always have some news somewhat break around my show, so it's always popping up. But, of course, you can call us up at the Twin Peaks hotline, 706-0111, if you're talking about the New Orleans Saints, Super Bowl 55, because we got a lot of things to get to on that front. But we go back to the Twin Peaks hotline. Hello, you're on Under the Dome with CD. Yes, sir. My name is Anthony. Um, I'd like to make a comment on the Drew Brees situation. All right, Anthony, go ahead, dude. Okay, um, I think uh, Drew Brees is going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, especially for the Saints. And I think he's headed to the Hall of Fame. Um, I hate to see him retire. He'll never be forgotten. Um, I think what the Saints are going to do is they're going to um, – they're probably going to resign Winston, but I think they're going to package, package some draft picks and move up in the first round and draft a quarterback. All right, how 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 high do you think they're going? To, they they could move up to get a quarterback. I just want to ask that question real quick, and and want to know who you want because obviously right now I would say Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are off the table because you're not pulling a Mike Ditka, right? No, 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 no. They they, they I just figure they're gonna package some draft picks because uh, they're gonna have a couple of convincing picks, and then they might take a couple of other picks. And maybe they're first or something to move up uh, to, to draft a quarterback. Well, who like, out of the, out of this rookie class? Who would you want outside of Lawrence and Fields? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. There's another quarterback. He, he he's very accurate. Throws the ball good. Um, I got his name wrong. Is he maybe from Oklahoma or something? Maybe. Oh, Spencer Rattler. No, no. If you name some of the guys. The quarterbacks, I can tell you, what right. I think they're gonna get Mac Jones. No. Ah oh, man, I'm, I'm I'm trying to think now. Who? Uh, Ellinger. He, he's kind of a tall guy. He's gonna be in this year's draft. Is it Ellinger? Ellinger, out of te- Sam Ellinger out of Texas. No, no. Okay, because, because if you got, I I I think all right. I appreciate the call, Anthony. I'm not gonna play the guess who game for this whole segment, but I will say this. This is a guy that I think underrated quarterback in my book. Underrated quarterback in my book. That could be somebody that you get late first round or maybe, just maybe, you wait until about middle of date, second round. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy drops to that certain level because I'm going to pull up Walter Football right now. My, my, My favorite thing in the world is to go look up the mock drafts on Walter Football. It's again, it's that time of year. It's mock draft season, and he always has like mock drafts. He ranks the quarterbacks by position and stuff. So it's really fun. So go ahead and pull this up because again, the, the rankings he has for these are just insane. And he's going to go ahead and let's run through the 2021 NFL 
report according to top ten quarterbacks for the NFL draft according to him and what he has with his Walter Walter football picks. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, number one, number two in the picks. Then you have underneath that's Jacob Beeson, Kellen Mond. I wouldn't get Kel- I would not want Kellen Mond to be honest with you. If I were anybody, I'd, I'd much rather have somebody else. Jamie Newman is projected to go third round according to Walter Football. Again, he's he's a guy that I like to look at for an idea of how this whole thing goes because he ranks a bunch of different players. He actually mocks it out enough to where he'd be able to like absolutely solve this puzzle. And the Saints, according to him, go ahead and pull this up right now. Try and get this to work because his website's a little archaic, I'll say. But I would much rather have like a New Orleans Saints like draft a quarterback. If you do it, I wouldn't be surprised to say, you know, second, mid-second, early third round. If he's there, take him. That's Sam Allen. He is a guy that I think could be really solid underneath Sean Payton with guys like Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill helping him out. And he spent some time underneath the system because, again, you want to have Jameis Winston in that one. He's still, I think, humbled. And he knows, like, hey, he needs to prove himself. And I think this is his Teddy Bridgewater situation. This is Teddy Bridgewater year. This is the year where he can prove himself and work into a bigger deal down the road. But you can also spend some time developing a guy and maybe following the Kansas City model and going ahead and playing this game the way you really would want to. If you're any team in the league right now, you see what Pat Mahomes and everybody did. And you could say right here, right now, that... There's one thing that works really, really well, and it's without a doubt, you know, what they've done in Kansas City. It's what they call the Kansas City model. What is the Kansas City model? The Kansas City model, Mike, is actually a really cool thing that everybody talks about. It's the fact that you let somebody sit behind your starting quarterback, your your star quarterback that you already have in place, and let them learn the system for a year, maybe two years. And when when you know the time is right, you put him in there, and he can wind up working out quite well and work under this new offense post-Drew Brees. Because I think Jameis Winston is going to be good. You need to have somebody that can be really solid behind him in case, let's say, after this one year, he really proves he's worth something. And if he doesn't, you can just cut him. He's done after one year. And you can move on with your guy. That's where I'm at. As mentioned, the Bears, apparently, this comes from NFL rumors and updates. Not necessarily the most reliable source in the world, but definitely interesting, nonetheless, saying that Mitch Trubisky is expected to be targeted by the Panthers and the Steelers in free agency as if the Bears don't extend him. I wouldn't be surprised they don't extend him, and that would wind up being where Jameis Winston could possibly go. Not, It's not a, affirmative, but I feel like we could definitely say the Bears are the neediest team that can't go ahead and trade to go get a Deshaun Watson or a Jimmy G or somewhere along those lines because if you're going to do a trade with any team right now, it's quarterback for quarterback or you're getting a top-level pick like the New York Jets, which feels like that's the destination where Deshaun Watson in his crazy mind wants to go and you trade the number two pick over to Houston. We'll go out to the Twin Peaks hotline once again. Hey, you're on Under the Dome with CD. How you doing? Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hey, this is Anthony. I was going to call a while ago. The quarterback right. I was trying to think of is the guy from BYU. 
Oh, BYU. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name now. BYU QB. It's yeah. It's like a, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. That's his name. Zach Wilson. That's him. He, he resembles Breeze a lot. He has a lot of Breeze's uh, techniques and stuff. Only difference is he's probably about him uh, five, four or five inches taller than him. But, but I think he'd be able to work out something. So I think I think Zach Wilson could be a really solid one. But I've seen a lot of mocks, and I think he's probably going to move up and be probably a top fifteen top fifteen pick. And I feel like if you want to go get him, that's great. But I feel like at the same time, yeah. this might be a year where you kind of wait because you think about it: the first two picks in the draft are going to be without a doubt Trevor Lawrence. And Justin Fields, right? Those those are your top mm-hmm. those are your top tier quarterbacks. Beyond that, you just don't know a whole hell of a lot about the other guys. It's a lot like what happened in the 2015 NFL draft when Jameis Winston came aboard into the league and Marcus Mariota won two. We wound up finding out that you know Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota weren't as as great as they panned out to be. But I think this is a year where Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields are your two biggest ones. Zach, guys like Zach Wilson. You know, Mac Jones, Sam Ellinger. I mentioned, I put over Sam Ellinger, Zach Wilson. All these guys, it just feels like they are kind of that. That's again, Anthony. I appreciate you calling in again, but I think it's the fact that I'd much rather have a situation where I can go ahead and say, hey, "Is this a year where you go in on quarterback?" I keep mentioning this all the time when it comes to the draft. You've got to know whether or not you're going to go all in on getting a franchise quarterback in the draft, especially if you're the New Orleans Saints. Honestly, you missed out on a lot of different windows to do this. Last year could have been should have been the year you drafted a quarterback. Last year or the year before. I mean, the last two years, they've had really good quarterbacks come out of the draft. I'm not saying go ahead and mortgage your future on it, but you could have gotten some other guys. Like even 2017, Literally, I think a couple picks before you, you could have gotten Pat Mahomes and let him follow that Kansas City model. What is the Kansas City model? I keep telling you, Mike, it's the Kansas City model basically is having somebody sit behind you and be that understudy, and then you take then let that guy take over when he's good and ready and is able to be underneath the system and memorize it. Because I, I talked about with Tiki Barber at a twelve fifteen. We full disclosure, we pre taped the interview. But we talked about Eli Manning and being the guy that just immediately got thrown into the fire. It's tough to be a successful rookie quarterback, no matter the team. No matter the team. I feel like you've got to give them time to understand what this entire offense is going to look like, what kind of playbook we're going to run with, and let them kind of like establish themselves and know what they're going what they're getting into. Because it's damn near impossible. Because I was seeing this video from uh Rob Gronkowski's brother, Chris Gronkowski, where basically he showed the entire playbook that they had to memorize. And it was like 12 like chunks. It wasn't 12 pages, but it was like a whole binder. I'm not talking like like a little bitty like binder, but those big old binders that you get when you're in college to where you have like 20 different subjects and all your classes and all that stuff. It's like that kind of binder. It's a big old thick binder. And you have to memorize all that stuff. And it's not like, oh, hey, you know, I have to memorize X, Y, Z. You memorize every, you have to outright memorize every single play on that playbook from from start to finish, back, back to front. And it's insane to think you can wind up doing that in about the 12 days you have 
in training camp. Now, of course, these guys are used to it. They do that in college, especially quarterbacks. But being able to do that in the league where there's so many different things going on, and you know that you know Sean Payton especially has probably got about 50 pages just on one formation in terms of plays to choose from. He's got that. And, you know, you have to memorize all that stuff. and you got to have that true football IQ. Sometimes college football is a little bit easier to understand. Pro football is a lot more complicated than the fact you're playing at a much more faster speed. I talk about it a lot, especially when I bring up Joe Burrow and his potential in the pros. The pro football game is a lot faster. Once the game slows down for you, and you can take my word for it, he can improve by leaps and bounds. He just has to essentially flip the switch and turn on the dude, turn on the burners. Because I think once this game slows down for Burrow, he's going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Now, of course, he needs a good offensive line because his offensive line for a good bit of the season when he was playing was garbage. They got better as the season progressed because guys came back from injury. But if you can have that offensive line healthy and maybe build some depth in free agency or the draft, I can tell you right now, Joe Burrow could very well be a team, and the Bengals could very well be a fringe wild card team this year. If not in the next couple of years, they could be a wild card team because of everything going on with them. And they'll be an interesting case study for the rest of the league to look at. That's where I'm kind of ending my whole thing on the way rookie quarterbacks should be treated. But obviously, it's a different situations for different teams, like the New York Jets where they have to kind of continually re- put their guy in and thrust him in. And in New York, it's damn near impossible. Either fact, you got a, the endless media scrutiny. We go to the Twin Peaks hotline one more time before we take a quick timeout. Drop of the hour. Hello, you're under the dome with CD. It's all about what organization drafted you. Nowhere in the Bengals' uh, history has shown you that they're, uh, that they're an organization that's about winning and, and uh, committed to winning. Yes, Burrow might be a good quarterback, but uh, you're banking on a lot. You're banking on a lot as long as uh, Mike Brown, the uh, owner of the Bengals. I see him struggling. Now, if you think he's going to uh, be a successful quarterback in this league, he'll probably be with another team, but it's not, it's not going to be with the Bengals. Uh, I can't see it, especially in that division. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. And, I, again, I think it definitely has a lot to do with the division, but who's to say that the, that, that division doesn't change? I think maybe the scout the scouting reports out on Lamar Jackson people know how to stop that. Meanwhile, somebody like Joe Burrow, you don't necessarily have a whole lot of tape on. You don't necessarily know, and he can wind up changing things because he's not just you know like a like a stoic quarterback. I think, and I'm telling you, I mean Ben Roethlisberger is going to retire soon. Who's to say Lamar Jackson doesn't necessarily help this team get to great heights, and he struggles next year. Because I think people are starting to figure out what how to stop Lamar Jackson. I like LSU figured out the formula to stop Lamar Jackson in that bowl game many years ago where they absolutely destroyed Louisville. Lamar Jackson can only get you so far. I think they can wind up being a team that gets into that. It could be a wild card coming out of the AFC North. And, of course, the Browns are the Browns. I hate to say it like that, but I think the Browns could be a long-term kind of team to keep an eye on, but I just don't know how sustainable that is. We're going to take a quick timeout. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game, 103.7thegame.com. Appreciate the calls. The Twin Peaks hotline stays open until 12.15. Tiki Barber joins the program. Keep it locked right here. 
Even in these trying times, the world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. It would be a lot cooler if you just kept it locked right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. We get our number two coming up in just a little bit. And it's definitely going to be a good one. Tiki Barber joined the program at 12.15. And we're definitely going to be talking a lot about the Super Bowl coming up. And, hey, if you want to kind of continue the conversation about Drew Brees or anything else, the Twin Peaks hotline will be open for a good bit of that first hour outside of the about 12.15-ish segment. But, of course, you're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Take that time out. Be back with even more of your favorite show, under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, welcome everyone. Hour number two of two sweet, wonderful hours of sports talk. Hour 2 of 2 is officially underway. Tiggy Barber coming up in about 12 minutes. So make sure you keep it locked right here for that conversation. Trust me, you won't regret it. And appreciate you listening. Coming to you live as per the use from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Here, this, worldwide. And, of course, appreciate you listening. And however you're doing so, be it through that free 103.7 The Game FM dial the tower of power. This is where the power lies. Or also through the free mobile app that we have, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, however you're streaming us. And if you have an Alexa, make sure you re-enabled our 1037th game skill. You do that to get us back on your system. I know people had a couple issues, I think last it was like last week or so we want to find out things. We're back up and running, so yeah. Looking forward. Talking to you about that and so much more all throughout this show today. The Twin Peaks Hotline is open, 337-706-0111. Talk to yours truly, the famous CD. When last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing... Diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! And of course, it's Super Bowl Eve. Now we're going to talk about the big game to open up the hour. If you want to drop your prediction in, 337 706 0111 is how you get in on the action. 
Just that simple, my friends. Make sure you get them in while you can. Have Tiki Barber coming on in about 10 minutes, and then we will have the hotline open again. I'll still take your calls. Then we'll wrap the show one final take, leading you up to CBS Sports Radio. Because, well, if you were expecting LSU basketball coming up at 1 o'clock, well, you might be under a rock and not realize that the game has been postponed. And we're talking about LSU Florida. That got postponed due to COVID-19 issues. You heard in the two-minute drill, our guy Troy bringing that up. But the million-dollar question is Super Bowl. It's the big game of the year. And this may be one of the biggest games in the history of our great sport. Because you've got the young gun, the young buck that is Patrick Mahomes, who's one false start away by, from Chris, by Chris Jones away from making the Super Bowl for possibly the third straight year. Casey Moe, fellas, and the ladies know how much Kansas City has been an absolute thorn in the side of a lot of different teams. And now they're taking on the Buckos of Tampa by the Bay in their home stadium. It's not a home matchup. It's not a home game. It's not one of those things. You've got limited capacity. The side of WrestleMania 37 and the side of Super Bowl 55 is Tampa Bay. And I looked at it this morning. And I'm still blown away by how tight this thing is, how tight this line has been. It's been about, the line's held pretty darn well, way better than the GameStop line that everybody's been saying hold the line on for the past couple weeks. Everybody's saying across the board three. It has hovered around three, three and a half points. Seeing Bavada, Bet Online, those are the two main ones I really look at. Minus three. The opening line was three, according to what I'm seeing right now. That's crazy. I think it's held that well. There's not been too much big money on that. But if you, like, I'm just saying, people have actually stopped, like, I think Vegas has stopped people on betting on the uh, the over-under on the National Anthem because apparently somebody leaked the performance. Somebody got a video of it and leaked the performance. So everybody knows the over-under now. Like, there's a like inside betting on that. That's how degenerati things are now. And I love it. I can't wait for 2022 to come around. That's going to be fun. That is going to be fun. Is We'll be able to start betting here. Again, I, I talked about it with Nick Fondo filling in for Jordy. We need sports books, a sports book either in Lafayette or maybe out in Opelousas. We just need it. Just going just gonna to say that. But when you talk about the Super Bowl 55 matchup, I think the biggest key is it's the battle of the quarterbacks. Two great quarterbacks, possibly all-time great, and Patrick Mahomes down the road because Pat Mahomes still has plenty of years left on it, on the tread to consider himself, to put himself in that conversation. And obviously Tom Brady, the GOAT, Tom Terrific, the comeback kid, the Pharaoh, Touchdown Tom, the man himself, has had kind of a renaissance throughout this postseason run. He absolutely just was not that good like in his regular season. Like his regular season was pop off. But he managed to rally this team around and go from the wild card to the Super Bowl. Doing something I don't think he really ever did playing in the wild card game, the divisional, and the championship game. I don't think he's ever done that in his career. 
going, playing through the entire playoffs. He's never done that. That's saying something. That's impressive to say that he has never been in that kind of situation where he's playing do or die every single game. This has been a very different year for him. He's playing with a team that wasn't his. He came into the situation pretty darn good, I'd say. And I think he's going to come out of it even better. I hate to say it. I've been very much saying I'm adamant. I'm I'm not looking forward to this because it feels like yet another coronation of Tom Brady. I don't think there's going to be any deflate gate or anything like that. There's not going to be any of that kind of like shenanigans. This is not the WWE. This is not WCW. This is the NFL. And there will be no shenanigans because let's be honest. Even when there were some shenanigans, it wasn't the reason why the Saints lost or the Green Bay Packers lost. Green Bay lost because they were stupid enough to go ahead and play conservative and give the ball back to Tom with two minutes left. You never, never give the ball back to Tom Brady. Never do that. And the fact that he's cooking with grease right now with some really good players. And it's it's not him that's leading the way. It's playoff Lenny is getting things done. Tom Brady's making do with what he's got. And he he's performed really well. Devin White may be the best defensive player on this team with all of his fingers attached. He's JPP, or should I say JPP, has been really good all season long. But when it comes to Devin White, he's performing on another level. He's performing on that high level that Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Darrell Williams, both former LSU Tigers, they have to deal with that former LSU Tiger staring at him in the backfield because you know he is going to be given like a thousand-yard stare and proven that he is one of the best linebackers in the league. And this is his. This has established him as one of the best, not just in terms of you know being a guy who can just get after you behind the line of scrimmage, just by him being a big impact player. The way he's been able to get key turnovers in the postseason. He has been outstanding. The fact that this Tampa Bay defense has gotten better as the season progresses makes me really start to think. And again, me and Ben talked about it. Gut versus brain. For the most part, a lot of decisions I make are very much gut decisions. Where I go to eat lunch, of course, that's a gut decision. I feel like a lot of the Biggest decisions you make are gut decisions. The Super Bowl isn't the biggest decision I'll make in my life, but it'll probably be one of the biggest ones I make this week. And if it's who I pick and how people react to it. And I hate to say it. I hate to say it. As a devout Tom Brady hater, because I can't stand the guy for what he stands for, for what he is, and who he's played for and the controversies that ensued during his time in New England, part of the evil empire with Darth Bill Belichick, who was out there eating bonbons now, probably looking like I'm a Ben, ben um, not Ben, Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller. My brain's had a major brain fart there. Ben Stiller at the end of dodgeball, 500 pounds, just chewing on bonbons and everything because of the fact that he lost the breakup. He lost the breakup. We all... We've all been broken up with before, right? 
We all know what that's like in terms of trying to win the breakup. Bill Belichick 100% lost this breakup of Brady and Belichick. Tom Brady is looking even better than he has before. But I think Tom Brady is so motivated to just win the whole darn thing to prove a, to prove a lot of people wrong. Because remember how last year's season ended for Tom Brady? You remember that, right? It was a pick six at the end of the game that sealed their fate in a 20-13 loss to the Tennessee Titans. And then he left, and everybody said, Tom Brady's a system quarterback. He, there's no way he's going to be able to get this team to the promised land. He's here at the promised land in their home stadium. Trust me. Bucks win 27-21. Take that to the bank. I feel like that's where it's at. The, the Bucks are the best team right now in the league. The Chiefs are extremely talented, have tons of depth. But I think touchdown Tom and playoff Tom and playoff Lenny and Devin White, the way he's been performing, guys like that, Rob Gronkowski could very well find himself a career resurgence game. Because it's all about this team playing for Tom. Because I think at the end of the day, I've talked about this, and Ben has derided me about this. I think that Tom Brady retires after this game. He rides off into the sunset because that's the way he wants his story to end. That's perfectly fine. He gets to have his storybook ending. And we get to see the man that has pretty much been the greatest of all time walk out proving a lot of people wrong. And at the end of the day, that's what he wants. He wants to prove people wrong one more time. And basically say, hey, this is my team, and I brought this team to a Super Bowl championship. I'm not a system quarterback. I'm done. I'm the GOAT, undisputed. That's where he's at. That's where we're at. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to have on Tiki Barber, co-host of Tiki and Tierney, right here on Under the Dome at CD, right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. Back after this. Even in these trying times, the world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 1037 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great Saturday afternoon. And now we're going to run on over to the Twin Peaks hotline. we got a special guest aboard. He is a former NFL running back drafted in the second round out of Virginia and played in the league for nine seasons with the New York football Giants nowadays. He's the host of Tiki and Tierney on CBS Sports Radio, and that's Tiki Barber. Tiki, how's it going? I'm fantastic, CD. How are you? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Appreciate you coming on. 
And I want to talk about your career to kind of start things off. Obviously, you were, as I mentioned, drafting the second round out of Virginia. What was that day like? Because obviously now with the draft, how much of a big deal it is with days, if not weeks of coverage leading up to it. What was that whole experience like for you? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point because nowadays the draft is an enormous spectacle, and you like there's a there's people everywhere. There's all kinds of things going on. But when I was get, when I got drafted, me and my brother were playing golf uh, down at, um, in Charlottesville, you know, just waiting for a phone call on the cell phone. We were one of one of our few friends that had a cell phone, um, and so it's changed a lot. But I remember it being like the culmination of everything coming together, but also a, a little bit of sadness because I knew that unless something miraculous happened, I was not going to be teammates with my brother anymore. And you bring up the fact you had the cell phone. Obviously, this was 1997 when you got yeah. drafted. What kind of phone was that? Was it like the old like brick Zach Morris yes. cell phone, or was it a little yes. bit smaller? Yes. Yes, no, we were in a golf cart with the brick in the, in the, in the, whatever, the, the holder up there, uh, with it, it snapped into the cell phone with a cord. So it had a brick, a cord, and a, and a, and a like the old school big cell phone handle. And it was corny as hell, but it was cool. You know, we were able to play golf and get, I got drafted at the same time. The unfortunate thing is we had to wait like another two hours before Rondé uh, finally got drafted. We were at the restaurant having some beers by then. I was about to say, did y'all finish the round before the the second call came around? <laughs> yeah, we finished, and uh, you know he was he was getting nervous for a second. He's like, hey, "What's happening? What's going on here?" Because um, it, it it felt longer than it actually was. Um, but he ended up in a good place and had an unbelievable career, and he's now a finalist for the Hall of Fame. So everything worked out. We'll get to Ron Day in a little bit because I want to have some fun with that. But you had a big breakout year in 2000 with the Giants, putting up over 1,000 yards rushing for the first time in your career. Certainly wouldn't be the last at eight touchdowns as the Giants made their way to the Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens. What were some of your memories you had on the run-up to that big game after you won the NFC Championship? And kind of, because if I'm not mistaken, back then it was still that, that week off between yeah. then and the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, it definitely was. And that's, it kind of hurt us. That week off, but I mean, if you back up into that season, we we were playing pretty poorly in the middle. And remember, Coach Fossil gave his whole "I'm pushing my chips to the center of the table." This team is going to the Super Bowl, and we went on a run. We won six games in a row, including you know getting into the postseason and dominating the Vikings, 41 to donut, as they like to call it, um, in the championship game. But the Baltimore Ravens, they were banged up in the, in their AFC championship game, and you know uh, because of that week break. They were able to get healthy, and once the game started, it was – I mean, I tell people, Ray Charles saying America's beautiful, um, and he was on our sideline, and I was standing there like, man, this is, this is unbelievable. It went 100% downhill from that point on. <laughs> they destroyed us <laughs> in that game. I, it was absolutely amazing, that, that ball game with Jason Seahorn, Trent Dilfer squaring off, and yep. I think obviously, you know, that, that day of, I think that's really where we're at in terms of the timeline. Fast forward to the big day. What was that like as you got on the field to warm up and you're just sitting there kind of getting ready, stretching out, all that stuff? You kind of just start to realize that you are at the pinnacle of the great yeah. sport of football. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, man. It's because it's, it's what you dream of as a kid. And, you know, you, you think about all the plays, of, you know, the play acting and the, you know, putting the, the crowd in your mind and the announcer in your head. And, and now you're actually doing it. And um, it's hard to just make it a game. Right? It's hard to just 
say this is just another game. We just have to win this game like we have any other game. You get distracted by the fanfare and the national anthem, and um, it's it's a, it's it, the really good ones and the good teams are able to block that out, um, and, and and ultimately they win. We weren't we didn't do that well enough. Not to mention we played. A Baltimore Ravens defense is probably one of the top five of all time in the history of the game with how dominant they were and how uh, how many stars they had on that team. Talk right now with Tiki Barber, host of Tiki and Tierney, also former New York Giants running back. And looking at, you continue to have big years in the league as the 2000s started to go on. Obviously, Eli Manning comes into the league, drafted then mm-hmm. by the Chargers and then traded to New York in 2004. What was he like as he started his NFL career and was kind of really thrust into the spotlight? Obviously, New York, a big major media market. But what was he like kind of being thrust into that spotlight as a starting quarterback for New York's team? Yeah, you know, I kind of felt for Eli uh, early in his career because they gave him basically the entire playbook, said learn it, um, and then nine weeks in, all right, you're, you're the guy. And I mean, it was, they wanted him to learn on the fly, and it was, it, it was a little bit frustrating for some of us veterans because, you know, uh, Kirk uh, Warner, who a lot of people thought was washed up, was a guy, and we knew that he had Super Bowl pedigree and he had experience, but they, they developed Eli. And here's the interesting thing, though. As, as much as he, he looked lost that first year, the second year and the subsequent years, it was, like, it was exponential growth. Like he picked it up really quickly, and the success started to follow. And it was only a matter of time before he won a Super Bowl, which he obviously did in 2007. And speaking of that 2007, it's like you were looking at my notes. You retired after the 2006 season, and the Giants wound yeah. up winning the Super Bowl, one of the most memorable games probably in the history of the NFL. Did you have any, yeah. any regrets about hanging it up when you did, or was it just like, you know what, I think this is time? No, you know, my, my, it was a couple of things. One, physically, I, I was getting the crap beat out of me. I was getting almost like 400 touches a year as a receiver, as a runner and a receiver, and my body was just starting to slow down. And, and, but I think worse is I didn't want to put in the work anymore uh, to get ready. Uh, I mean, I'm naturally 185 or so pounds. I was playing at 215. And so putting on all that muscle and uh, and training in the off season was grinding on, you know, grinding to me. Um, and then there were other opportunities that I saw out there in media and business that I was just really excited to get after. And, you know, I, I thought the Giants were still a couple of years away from being Super Bowl viable, and they went and won. It, the crazy thing is I was covering the game for NBC, and um, I was down on the field afterwards, and it was, it was like every one of those guys was my teammate. So, uh, you know, I didn't get a ring, but I felt like I was I was I celebrated it with them. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I I, I, I can about imagine how what that was like. Talk right now with Tiki Barber, host of Tiki and Tierney on CBS Sports Radio. And speaking of that, you majored in business when you were at the University of Virginia, Tiki. And you know, it's really crazy to think how how you've managed to turn your career from being focused in business at University of Virginia, then you have your long NFL career. How did you get into the crazy business of sports media? Now part of the highly successful yeah. show on CBS Sports Radio, Tiki and Tierney. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I went to school to study database design and management. I was an MIS major. I was I wanted to work for Oracle or Microsoft or something like that. But uh, my like my second or third year at UVA, I got an opportunity and I took off with it, and it changed the trajectory of my professional career. But I got into media because early in my career, I wasn't like I wasn't great. I mean, I was good. I was okay, but I wasn't great. And so being in New York, there were just opportunities after opportunities. And interestingly, my current boss at CBS Sports Radio hired me in 1999 to do overnights 
on WFAN. And um, I loved it. I learned that I like to talk. Like I like to have conversations with people, and and I just started to grow throughout the you know the course of my season, like my, my career. And as I got better as a player, the opportunities and media got bigger and bigger. And and when I decided to retire, I, I stepped right to NBC and the Today Show, and and now I'm at CBS Sports Radio. So. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a weird journey, um, but I've, I've loved it. And, you know, the ups and downs and the, and the trials have been, you know, something I cherish. All right, I want to kind of rewind back to what we were talking about with University of Virginia because recently National Signing Day had just passed. Obviously, not nearly as big of a deal as it is now. What was that like whenever you committed to University of Virginia? And did you have any other offers with a lot of other more notable programs? Oh yeah, yeah. We Clemson was 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 heavy at, at us, as was University of Michigan. Um, UCLA sent us a couple of of inquiries, um, but we we really you know shut that down early because we didn't want to go to the West Coast. Penn State um, was was um, was probably the front runner for a long time until their running back coach Jim Caldwell left and took the head coaching job at Wake Forest, and then nobody picked us up. I think Penn State was the team that we we probably were leaning towards because it's you no know, it's Penn State in the in the nineties it's like the deal, um, but we lost our recruiter and nobody picked us up and so as a result um, we ended up committing to Virginia after our trip to Michigan got snowed out. Our coach, the coach called us and was like, "Oh, sorry, you guys can't come because uh, we have like three feet of snow." And Rhonda and I were like, yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> we don't want to go up there. Um, and so we committed to Virginia about a week later, uh, and it was one of the best decisions that you know we, we've both ever made in our lives. Talking right now with Tiki Barber. We've got a couple more questions for you, and obviously we need to kind of fast forward to 2021. It's great to look back at the old days, but I think it's time to look ahead to the big game tomorrow night. Who you got? Chiefs or yeah, Bucks? You know, yeah, I like the Buccaneers. I, I think they're balanced on offense. And defense, they have guys that can get after the quarterback, uh, Shaq Barrett, JPP, and, and Vita Vey in the middle of that defensive front. And they have good, they're young, but they have good coverage players as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to say the Bucks are going to find a way to unseat the defending champions. And I know I'm, I also have to, you know, preface this with saying I'm a, I'm a, I'm biased because Bruce Arians is like family to me. He was roommates with my dad at Virginia Tech. And so, uh, uh I, I want to see him win in a bad way, but I do think they have the ability to do it as well. Any stories that your dad shared with you about him at Bruce Arians when he roomed with him? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We had Bruce on our show earlier this week, and he, he used to tell a story about how um, my dad was the first black a- athlete in the in the dorms, in the athletic dorms, and, and roommates with Bruce. And, you know, my, Bruce would say, your dad was always accepted because he, he was dressed to the nines, he always looked great, and he had a radio, uh, which was, you know, rare back in the late 60s and uh, early 70s. So I'm sure they had fun uh, being roommates. Salt and pepper, they used to call themselves. All right, I got, I got one more for you before we get out of here, Tiki. It's more on, the, more on the lighter side. Obviously, you and your twin brother, Rondé, had a long career, and he wanted to be with the Tampa Bay Bucks, earned a Super Bowl ring in the process. Like, early on, especially after you got the Super Bowl ring, was there kind of some banter in the Barber household when y'all when the family got <laughs> together when it comes to that? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, he, you know what's interesting? Early on, there was. Now there isn't. He doesn't even, he never brings out his ring. He doesn't even bring it up really that much. Uh, but er, when he first won it, it was a big deal, especially because we were both playoff teams that year. And we had a, a game, wild card game against the San Francisco 49ers that we were winning by, I think, 24 points. 
And if we had won that game, we would have went and played the Buccaneers in the divisional round. Unfortunately, we collapsed epically. Uh, and so I was down in, in, um, in Tampa to watch him beat the 49ers, and then I was in Philly to watch him beat the, the Eagles in the championship game as well. So, yeah, there's trash talking, but at the end of the day, I always have his back and he always has mine. It's, it's great to hear, Tiki. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. and Enjoy the game on Sunday. Appreciate you, CD. Be well. All right, that was Tiki Barber, host of Tiki and Tierney on CBS Sports Radio. Without a doubt, probably the biggest guest we've ever had on this program. Mad respect for him coming on the show. We're going to keep this train rolling on. If you want to talk about the Super Bowl 55 going on today, because obviously we've been talking about it all show long. we got that and so much more to get to. You're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. It's Under the Dome with CD, baby. Octagon, to the 20 by 20 squared circle, and everywhere in between. The world famous CD isn't afraid of tackling any topic. Just don't expect him to get into the ring with anyone he offends. Finish him. Just bring it. Let's get back to Under the Dome. While it is Super Bowl weekend, it's Super Fight weekend as well. And it all started last night. Hopefully, you were able to kind of keep tabs on stuff on social media or whoever. You were kind of watching some of the fights. Hopefully, you have a good one. So far, it's Under the Dome with CD right here in Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 Game. Coming to you live from the First South Farm Credit Studios. Before I get into some of the fights, we want you to fight for your right to vote for your favorite furry pet. Because we got the My Furry Valentine Contest. The voting is now open at 1037thegame.com. We've been collecting photos of all your favorite four-legged family members. And trust me, it is absolutely, it, it warms the heart to see all these doggos, kitty cats, and even some chickens. Yes, chickens. I even saw a picture of a pig. And I was like, okay, I am all for this. And it's so darn cute. I didn't see if it was a teacup pick or not, but damn, damn sure cute nonetheless. The final seven picked and are now posted online at 1037thegame.com. So vote for your favorites, and let's see who gets to win a Visa gift card. Prizes awarded for first, second, and third place. So make sure you get your votes in for which pet you like the most right now at 1037thegame.com. I'm going to go ahead and do that after I wrap up because I want to just get a little preview of what all those different animals and doggos and, and kitty cats look like. And trust me, a lot of them definitely deserves like a five boops rating out of five. And that's about all I'm going to say on that end. But I want to get into some fighting. Now we're going to go from from doggos and, and booping to absolutely bare-knuckle fighting. And Jose Canseco, <laughs> Jose Canseco was in a boxing ring last night. Yes, you heard that right. I, I was just as amazed as you were because I found out about it last night. And I just sat there like, okay, this is intriguing. So they had... Last night, Rough and Rowdy 13, which is something Barstool puts together. But it was all about seeing, you know, Jose Canseco take on an intern for Barstool, Billy Football. And Billy Football absolutely took care of business 
and beat Jose Canseco in about five seconds. Now there's conspiracy theories abound saying, hey, you're going to go ahead and get your guy, you know, and try and figure out what you're going to do going forward with that. It's like everything is that he took a dive, blah, 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 blah. I don't necessarily think so. I think it was the fact that, you know, he just straight up got the tar beat out of him early on. And he's like, okay, well, I'm done. It's like everybody has a game plan until you get punched in the face. And that's exactly what happened there. And, you know, it was it was definitely interesting to see that be one of the big headlines for the weekend is Jose Canseco losing a boxing match. Things I never thought I'd say in 2021 for 500, Alex. But it was entertaining nonetheless. Meanwhile, they had knuckle mania last night. And if you've never seen bare knuckle fighting, it is insane. Like, I have never, like, outright said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and, like, spend my time watching two people just getting inside a ring, no gloves, no nothing, and beating each other down. But this was so much more fun than I thought it was going to be. Like, this was insane. I have just never seen anything like that before. And it was entertaining as all get out. You had a lot of highlights here. I kind of caught like the last three fights on the card, which were three of the best in my book. You had Chris Levin end his career with a KO victory in a minute, seven seconds of round one against West Monroe native Quentin Henry. Might try and wrangle him on, at least for the Cajun Strong Stop podcast, if not under the dome. Because trust me, I, I love me some MMA and bare knuckle boxing. Uh, I'm starting to become a fan of that now because that rule. Like right away, they're just like absolutely swinging at each other. It was like watching a actual fight versus you know where like in, in boxing, MMA too, but I feel like more so in boxing, it's all about, about moving and uh, moving and ducking and everything. It felt like more of an actual fight in the last three, especially between Johnny Bedford and that win. These two just were throwing haymakers the entire fight, and neither of them budged. It was very much boom, 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 boom. And that went one unanimous decision winning both titles. I was just like, what is going on here? This is what I'm here for. But it was all about the main event for me because I was like, that's what I was most looking forward to. And, again, Bedford and that win is probably a nominee for fight of the year just in terms of like combat sports. I would. It's hard to put that in a category if it's boxing or MMA. For me, this was just again. People want to talk UFC being legal street fighting. This is legalized street fighting. They're basically out there taped up, but the fists are still out there, bare knuckle, and they are just absolutely just waylaying on each other. The main event though is Paige Van Zant, former UFC star, taking on Bretton Hart, an up and comer in the bare knuckle boxing world, and Paige Van Zant wins in like. By unanimous decision, it was completely one-sided, especially after the first round. Because I feel like in my scorecard, I had Paige Van Zant going 10-9 in the first round. But I knew that this thing was going to kind of shift a little bit, and it was very close in that first round. But Hart was just dominating after the second round onward. I'm going to talk about a lot more on the Cajun Strong Style podcast, but I wanted to bring that up because that was something I did not expect me to, myself to be a fan of at this point in time, is that you know we were going to see... I was I wasn't planning on checking out that I'm like, oh hey, this is actually happening. I'm gonna go ahead and check this out, see how this goes. Because 
I've never seen a bare knuckle boxing fight in my life. I mean, it's it's definitely a lot more niche than you know what goes on inside a UFC octagon or a boxing ring. But I think it's gonna get it gets a lot more mainstream appeal during moments like this. So I was like, I gotta check this out, and it ruled. Go check it out if you have if you have a chance. It's it's definitely more brutal than typical boxing, but it was pretty darn cool. Way better than what was going on last night with the NBA. And what was going on with Kevin Durant? The Kevin Durant saga has been an absolute mess and then some because he was pulled from the game last night twice, not once, but twice due to COVID-19 protocols. Absolutely mind-blowing and frustrating. You should think about it. So the two-time NBA champion who is part of the New York Nets, or the Brooklyn Nets, excuse me, he was removed from the starting lineup before the game after someone whom Durant had interacted with in the afternoon had an inconclusive COVID-19 test shortly before the game. He was held out while that result was being reviewed. And then eventually the All-Star was cleared to enter in the first quarter and because it was turned to be a negative test. Durant had apparently tested negative three separate times, according to Malika Andrews of the Four Letter Network. And then later in the game, Durant's close contact that he had that afternoon tested positive. So he's told in the third quarter to leave the game and he was very much frustrated when he left the locker room. You hear Lewis talk about it a little bit earlier towards the end of his show. But it was this moment where I'm like, you know what? This is exactly where the NBA really drew a line in the sand. I feel like they they, they have basically made a statement with this. The fact that the Brooklyn Nets had to have Kevin Durant go in and think it's pulled back out. You should have just not let him be in the game at all, not be in the arena. Like If you know you've been in close contact with someone with COVID-19, that person needs to be quarantined and then start doing a contact tracing from there. But if you know Kevin Durant was the guy that was in touch with so-and-so, put him on the bench or put him away from everybody until he gets his results back and have him sit out that game and then figure out everything else going on. But, you know, it's crazy that the NBA continues to do these kind of things because we we continue to wonder about the state of affairs with the NBA because I think there's a lot of people that aren't a huge fan of the NBA, especially over the last couple of years, for a lot of different reasons. But I think this is one of those moments where it's like it's a, it's a misstep by Adam Silver, and it's a very rare misstep at that because – Adam Silver's done a great job as the commissioner. He's probably my favorite out of all the NFL commissioners, uh, all the commissioners in professional sports. It includes Gary Bettman, who from time to time has been an absolute Melvin in the league of the NHL. Roger Goodell, we all know I hate him. He's at the top of the list of people. I could just he's, – he's at the top of my S-word list. Let's just put it that way. He's at the top of that list. Gary Bettman has been a complete nincompoop when it comes down to it. Since 1993, I mean, he's been – like. Three different lockouts in three different decades, 94, 95, 2004, 2005, and 2012, 2013. That's how many lockouts he's had under his run as the NHL commissioner. Adam Silver, he's been able to get things done and be, be really, really good when it comes right down to it. And then you've got, obviously, Rob Manfred and his antics, and I can't stand him either. He's probably number two on that S-word list. I'm going to get to that one day about who is the undisputed king's of being on that list. I'm going to come up with a better word for it, but my the list of people I just can't stand in sports, he's at the top of my list. 
Probably Tom Brady in there as well. Even though I did pick the Buccaneers to win, I got it's it's hard to pick against playoff Brady. It's the gut instinct is always where I go with. And if I were a betting person, which I'm not, I might get into a little bit more once we are actually able to do so legally. But I can say right now, I'd probably say that, you know, this is where we're at. I can say, you know, the NBA, with everything that's been going on over the last, let's say, 24 to 48 hours with the NBA, it's been a mess. The NBA has pretty much said, hey, we're going to go ahead and focus more on making money as opposed to anything else. Yep, you hear me right. The NFL was more focused on making cash money. That's why they're doing this all-star game. I know everybody probably just could care less about having an all-star game in 2021. But you know what? It's just the way it's going to be. You are going to play this game, and if you don't like it, tough. Because that's where we're at right now in this world is that you've got to make money. You've got to appease sponsors. The NBA said, we're just going to go ahead and do it after saying they're not going to originally. They went back on their promise, but guess what? At the end of the day, it's simply business, pal. Like I hate to say it because I would love to see these guys have some time off and be able to just kind of decompress, especially teams like the Lakers who had a very short offseason, teams like the Heat who had a very short offseason. But at the end of the day, I talk about it a lot. I talked about it a few weeks ago whenever Marcus Freeman turned down the job as the LSU DC. It's worked out since getting a guy like Durante Jones as the defensive coordinator. But Marcus Freeman turned down the job because of one thing. Cash rule everything around me, and Notre Dame threw more dory me his way, and I had the fact that it was better for him. It was a better fit for him, personally. But if LSU offered more money, they would have gotten Marcus Freeman. Because, again, cream. Wu-Tang said it best. Cash rules everything around me. Get the money, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. That's where we're at right now. That's how you're going to get people to draw towards your kind of world. I think that's the way things need to be. That's the way they're going to have to figure out their future. I'm looking forward to seeing how things turn out. Because I have a feeling that this is the first step towards the NBA just kind of saying, hey, you know, we got to make our, we got to make things right. Because honestly, their protocols have been very much exposed as bad. That's been the worst part of all this. They have absolutely proven that their protocols aren't great and they need to change. How do you change it? I don't know. But it's proven one thing about the NBA and probably a lot of other leagues across the country, across the board, that there's no way. That you can have, like, if you want to talk about health and safety of the players, you can't do the season. But you're doing it for the money. And that's fine. Because trust me, I'm a person who's all about the money. And if you can make money in this kind of situation, in the middle of a pandemic, and be able to get a season in. Because again, it's all about having that money. I'm all for it. But don't say one thing in terms of focusing on the health and safety of the players and then go ahead and do this mess with KD and you're going to go ahead and put an all-star game on in March. It's, you know, you got to walk and talk. 
and chew bubblegum all at the same time if you're a commissioner. There's a way to do it. And I think he's absolutely missed the boat on some things. And hopefully the NBA can kind of start realizing that because it's been absolutely a joke this year. And the, the NFL's held accountable too. But it's the fact that the NFL never was like, oh, hey, they wanted to focus on the health and safety. We all knew what was going on. Like Roger Goodell didn't need to say anything. You want to say one thing and then do another. That's my problem. That's probably a big reason why I just haven't been that, like nonplussed on basketball. Last night I was listening to Zach Gelb after Ben's show, and he was saying how like people weren't excited about college football. My ass, like maybe nationwide, but that's because college football, for the most part, it's more of a regionalized thing. Here in South Louisiana, people were amped up for college football. So yeah, like I'm just not that. I haven't been that excited about about, about basketball, pro basketball, especially in a while. In fact, the Pelicans suck and just need to move on. But I just can't stand the fact that the NBA is trying to is being a little bit of hypocritical. Take a quick timeout. One final take. It might have something to do with a former LSU Tiger. Keep it locked right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. My one final take of this week involves a former LSU Tiger. Because the rookie of the year, the offensive rookie of the year, is going to be unveiled tonight. And it has to be Jettas, Justin Jefferson. He has been absolutely one of the best players in the league this year. From an offensive perspective, his contributions have been second to none, especially on a crappy Minnesota Vikings team. He was the lone highlight. I got to go with Jettas, your offensive rookie of the year tonight. He's got to lock that down. A former Tiger has to be the guy. Hope he is. Because he's the man. And he, he, let's be honest, he has had the best rookie season since a guy named Random Moss. Straight cash, homie. If you do that, you've got to be deserving of being a absolute champion in the sport of professional football. Hopefully he gets that opportunity to be on a bigger stage because the Vikings just feels like it's an uphill climb. And that's about all the show we got for you today. Be back with you next week, 11 to 1. I believe there's an LSU game next week that's at 1 o'clock, if not mistaken. But either way, have a great one. We're going to bring you to CBS Sports Radio in a few, but keep it locked right here on 1037 The Game on Sunday. Nothing but wall-to-wall Super Bowl coverage on Sunday, thanks to Westwood One and their coverage of the NFL all season long. Kevin Arnold going to be on the call, so make sure you check that out. Until then, peace! Hey, Clavis! Wake up! The show's over. Oh, yeah! Kick it!